Talk Radio. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, foodist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people on trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast, and along the way. You know, we really have to have some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the wine show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. And we're really here. We're actually uh, a little late on Facebook. Sorry about that. There was one other button to press on this stupid thing. I'm just, oh, uh, you didn't know about the second button. They missed part of the intro, but yeah, we're on though. Oh, <laughs> testing something yeah. with the light thing. You, do you notice the opening breaking up there and fading and stuff? No. Oh, the, okay. The I did. No. Yeah, the intro. Yeah. Hmm. It seems to be. I don't know if it's going out over the air like that or if it's just me here, but it'll fade in and out and and uh, you know, not good. I, you know, so I keep no, forgetting we're... to tell you, but yeah, you you might want to. I'll check that. Check and see. Okay, okay, we're back. We missed last week through no fault of our own. Yes, thank you, thank you. Through no fault of our own, we had uh, connection problems. We normally go through Skype. I go through Skype to get on there. I try to go through Skype. It wouldn't connect. I tried to go through other areas, and it wouldn't connect. And Mike was sitting there trying to do stuff, and he couldn't get in. I tried calling in, and it wouldn't go through. And no matter what we did, we could not get online to talk to you all. So we ended the show, and much to our surprise, we had quite a few listeners, which there was nothing there to listen to. But those of you who listened to the show last week, thanks. We we do appreciate the the uh, support. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and if you want to chat with us during the show, please uh, do so on Facebook. You can go to facebook.com forward slash all about wine BTR. And uh, we have a live uh, you know, it's a video of flight, but you can get on there and chat. Yeah. That's where we're at. So. Operator and, is standing by. Yes, operator. Which <laughs> 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 <Or> is <just> Mike. It's <laughs> just the two of us. <laughs> Yeah, operator is standing by. You're not counting down on your uh, on the switchboard here. It just shows that you're on hold time of zero, and that's it. Hmm, That's weird. Okay, I just noticed that. I just um, yeah. I don't know. It says hold time, and that's it. I'm not holding. You're holding, holding and standing by here. So, um, there you go. He just he went into the green room now. Yeah. <laughs> he's clicking, and now he's back, oh. and it's back to zero again. Huh. 
that lets, oh, well. that lets us know if we have a guest in there and we put them on hold that they've been on hold for like a day or two, then oh. it's time to bring them in. Yeah. So. Time to bring them on. I see. Okay. No, yeah. we won't let you. If you're a guest, we won't let you hold for a day or two. Um, no. No. So, uh, the most I think we've ever held was two and a half hours. But other than that, correct. Okay. And the show was for everybody went home. Yes, that's right. Thirty yeah. first <laughs> uh, Halloween coming up, and we're not going to have a program. Mike is going to be taking. I know. Mike is going to be taking the jet to Colorado, the All About Wine jet to Colorado, and going to a couple of wineries out there and bringing back a report. So uh, we're going to, and Halloween's always, we always get a lot of trick-or-treaters at the house and it's noisy and so not going to do a program on the 31st. So you can mark your calendar that you don't need to tune in. And if you're out trick-or-treating, then hey. You won't listen anyway, unless you listen to the headsets while you're on. But 31st, no program. No program. As any other public announcements? No. Uh, I can, can't think of any. Uh, yeah, so make a note the 31st. But we will be here the next two weeks. Today's the 10th. We will be here on the 17th and the 24th. But we missed you last week. Because we missed you, we missed... Last Friday was National Taco Day. So I hope you didn't miss that because a lot of places were giving free tacos. Yay. You know, I surprised me that they would, but you can do it. Saturday, Apple Betty Day. National Apple Betty Day. And Rocky Mountain Oyster Day. Sunday was National Noodle Day, Monday National Frat Day, Tuesday National Fluffer Mutter Day, and National Pierogi Day, and yesterday National Moldy Cheese Day. Isn't cheese moldy? I mean, you know, well. And National Pizza and Beer Day along with National Hoagie Day. All that was yesterday, so hope you didn't miss any of those. Today, National Angel Food Cake Day. Tomorrow, National Sausage Pizza Day. Not just pizza, but Sausage Pizza Day. Saturday, National Pulled Pork Day and National Gumbo Day. Both good days, both good food, both good to match wine with. Sunday, National Peanut Festival and Yorkshire Pudding Days. Monday, this is a good one, National Dessert Day. And there's lots of wines you can have with and for dessert. So keep that in mind. There's uh, some German uh, Orschleses or uh, ice vines, uh, Hungarian Tokay, a uh, French Sauterne. Those are very sweet wines, very good. And there's lots of others that are on up there a little bit sweeter. So keep those in mind for dessert day Monday. Tuesday, big day there. Mark your calendars. National Red Wine Day. So Pull out a bottle of red wine or a box or a can or a tetra box or whatever. Red wine, uh, Tuesday. It's also National Cheese Curd Day and National Mushroom Day. Wednesday, World Bread Day. Not national, but World Bread Day. 
And then next Wednesday, national or next Thursday, 17th, when we'll be back, is National Pasta Day. And lots of good wines you can have with pastas. Don't judge it on just the pastas. Judge it on your sauce. If you're going to match a pasta with wine, judge it on your sauce. If you have a big, heavy red sauce with uh, lots of meats or sausages, whatever you have in it, and your fork stands up in the middle of your plate, then open up a bottle of a heavier red wine, something that's going to stand up to that sauce. If you have something that's light, a little bit of oil on your noodles, uh, which I enjoy mixing up some herbs and stirring it with your oil and pouring it over your spaghetti. I, I like that. Get something light and a little bit less powerful. And it goes well with that. It helps clean the palate between the bites and the oils and stuff. So that's what we have coming up here. And we also get to look forward to National Red Wine Day Tuesday again. So don't forget that. Okay. Uh, announce, oh, wine today. I'm, my engineer brought me a 2016 conundrum out of California. Now, I used to be a big conundrum white wine conundrum fan. I've gotten away from it, which is really sad because I love this wine. They've changed it. It now has a screw cap, which in the years past, it was not a screw cap, and now it has a screw cap, which is fine. I don't, I'm not adverse to screw caps. The bottle says California white wine blended, you, white wine blend, unique and original to the Wagner family of wine. Is South California 2016 conundrum wine, and on the back also this is original California white wine vintage and bottled by Conundrum Wines in Fairfield, California. And Fairfield, just north of Berkeley, Oakland, that area there. It's uh, not not Napa Valley or anything like that. But I looked up Conundrum, and the Side has a lot of wines that's at the top of it. Uh, not only Conundrum, but uh, Camus and Wagner and uh, Marsolet and Red Schooner and Molo and Sea Sun. I think that's Sea Sun and Bonanza. All once you can click on Conundrum's part of it. I don't know if it's all owned by Camus or not. Camus is pretty big, so it may be, but this is separate here. Conundrum Peel Box, Rutherford, California. So I don't know, but Conundrum uh, has, I used to enjoy white wines all the time, and they've got others now. As it says here on the white, fresh frojitas, relaxing before dinner, a night out for Thai or Vietnamese. Conundrum White goes with them all. Sourced from California's premier wine-growing regions, this wine is both exotic and bright. It's a blend of Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, Simeon, Muscat Canelli, and Voignet. Really, really good. I, I just, it's, I love this. I recommend this highly to anybody a little bit cheaper now. For a while there, it had jumped up to like $26. And this was down, I believe, less than $20, was not it? This, this? 
this you know, this came in at less than 20. Uh, we got this at the tasting, went to a month or so ago, and a little bit, uh, a little bit less than it was. It hit a peak for a while there. This is it lures you in with a sense of apricot, pear, and honeysuckle. And if you're paying attention, orange and lemon meringue pie. I don't get that. I just get a nice apricot, honeysuckle aroma myself. The initial sweetness is balanced by natural acidity, and we love the hint of oak that plays with flavors of peach, apple, and citrus. And the long finish will leave you longing for another glass. This is very good. I, I you know, wax poetic about the conundrum wine because it's it's one of my favorites. And it has been for a long time. But then they have a conundrum red, which I had. Did we pick up a conundrum red? Yeah, I think we've already tasted it. Oh, I don't remember that. Um, must <laughs> must not have made a big impression on me. Um, okay. It says about the conundrum red, we believe in being both serious and playful. And this fits the bill. It's a rich and dark red with aromas of ripe cherries and plums with a hint of cocoa. Uh, dried fruit and the taste of chocolate-covered cherries come through with a wisp of smokiness. It is created with a blend of Petite Syrah, Zimadol, and Cabernet Sauvignon. They said tannins are rounded out by ripeness. Yeah. Oh, it's gone. Maybe we did have it. The finish makes us think of a lingering at the end of a long evening and still wanting to go home. So uh, that's what they said about the conundrum red. And they also have a conundrum rosé that says about that. Searching out exceptional grapes sometimes going off the beaten path. Prime example of the blend of uh, uh, this blend is our choice to include a Val de Gay. Valdegay, which grows only in small quantities in California. That's V-A-L-D-I-G-U-I-E, Valdegay. This wine has a uniquely fresh, bright character with delicate fruits, perfect for spring and summer, though it can be enjoyed any time of the year. Valdegay. Um, I'm going to write that down. We'll look that grape up in a little bit here. How's that? And see what that says about it. V A L D I G. U-I-E with that little mark above the E, which we don't have to worry about that. And then they also have a conundrum sparkling wine. What, you say? Yes. It says, we farm coastal vineyards with ideal conditions for white varietals. Our, blends, our blend includes a Pinot Blanc, Grenache Blanc, Chardonnay, Muscat, Canelli, and Boignet. Has a delicate nose, fine bubbles, and delightful lightness. Perfect for celebrations of all kinds. Serve well chilled. And speaking of bubbly, it's getting close to the holiday season, so you might consider looking at stuff like that for the holiday season. Uh, something a little bit off the beaten path. So, conundrum. I like them. Uh, as I just said, you heard me. Wax poetic about these wines, and that's why, because I really am a big fan. That's why I'm enjoying tonight. Glass of the conundrum. 
We got a quick shout out to Becky who said hello in the comments. So uh, hello back to you, uh, Becky. Thank you for tuning in. Appreciate it. And that particular uh, red wine grape is grown primarily in the blah 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 region of southern France. (laughs) 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 It has an alias that I'm not going to pronounce either. And in California, it has been known as Napa Gamay. Or Gamay 15. Oh. If that rings any bells, there you go. Um, okay, let me. I've got my great bridal list here. Let me see what it says on this great bridal list for that. Let's see. V A L. And there it is. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't say too much. Very small. Um, another again is a red grape variety that was once extensively planted in the southwest France. And particularly in the Legador Roselon, but is now only grown as a minor variety in a few Vindipays department around the Languedoc and province. There's also a small following in the United States, particularly in California, where it is known as the Napa Gamay or the Gamay, until 1980, when DNA testing revealed its true identity. California wineries were still allowed to sell. It has Napa Gamay until 1999, but this practice is now outlawed. It is a high-yielding vine with strong resistance to powdery mildew. As a wine, it tends to be low in alcohol with fruity flavors, but little varietal distinction. So there you go. That's that's the value. So, uh, and let's see. The little chart showing where it's growing, it's all the United States, 100% United States. So they don't even give credit at all to France uh, on this particular chart. And the prices are pretty reasonable, 28, 11, 28, or 23, 17. But here's one from the Russian River Valley for $100. Oh, my gosh, $100. And that's it. That's it. Most, of them, most of them are in the teens, though. So there's that grape. I've never heard of it before, but there's lots of grapes I've never heard of. Uh, all right. Let me back back up here. And there we go. Okay. Uh, are we still on? Yeah, we should. Yeah. Well, the switchboard doesn't show either one of us there. Um, oh, there we go. I hate it when it does that. All right. Announcements, wineries, and different announcements and stuff. I'm going to run through quickly here and then I'll tell you a few things. All right. October the 4th through the 9th. It is. Today's the the 10th. You're right. October. I'm, I was thinking it was further. So, well, never mind. There is, let's see, is this over two? No, October 17th through the 19th, which is next week. Uh, yeah, the New York Wine Experience, I've been telling you about this, tell you about it even more here. It is in 
New York City at the Marriott Marquis, October the 17th to the 19th. It is going to be a set-down seminars, taste more than 50 wines during Friday and Saturday's daytime seminars with some of the great winemakers, world's great winemakers. Grand tasting, two evenings, tasting 273 wines from around the world, rated 90 points or higher. Wine pairing luncheons, enjoy gourmet lunches on Friday and Saturday paired with extraordinary wines. A lavish black tie dinner honoring Wine Spectator's 2019 Grand Award winners is the perfect ending to the amazing weekend. This comes up next weekend, 17th to the 19th, uh, Thursday through Saturday. Three days included. You will have seminars from, oh, yeah, some winemakers from literally around the world. They've got a list of them here. And then they've got chefs that will be talking, including Emerald and uh, Jose Andres, and they've all sorts of stuff there. They've got uh, uh, speakers from Chile and Argentina and France and Italy and uh, let's see where else. I don't know, but only $475 for the VIP ticket and $375 for general admission ticket. And that's for the one phase. It's not for all three of them, I don't think, is it? No, it isn't. The complete weekend package. And if you haven't saved up already, it's almost too late because it's coming up next weekend. Critics' Choice Grand Tasting Thursday and Friday evenings, VIP entry. Daytime set-down seminars Friday and Saturday. Wine pairing luncheons Friday and Saturday. And Grand Award Buffet and Champagne Reception Saturday evening. Only $2,495 per person. What a deal. If you want to go just to the buffet alone, it's $500 per person. And if you want to uh, do uh, the grand tasting alone, that's $375 per person. So, hey, $2,500 per person, plus your hotel rooms and all that there, that is a bargain for all this stuff that you're getting. But I think also think of all the wine you can buy for $2,500. But coming up next week, so if you uh, are looking at doing something next week, there you go. International Wine Competition, San Francisco, one of the big ones in the country, San Francisco International Wine Competition. Entry deadline is a week from tomorrow. Saturday the, 20, uh, the 18th. Competition is November the 9th through the 11th. And they're going to have uh, tasting competitions, design competitions, all sorts of stuff. The San Francisco wine tasting, wine, uh, San Francisco International Wine Competition is one of the biggest ones in the country. And it's one of the best. I had an opportunity many years ago. It's been around for I don't know how many years. I had an opportunity to go to it a number of years ago. And it's uh, it's fascinating. It really is. There's lots of people there and lots of wine and lots of fun. So uh, if you ever get an opportunity to do something like that, one of these competitions, the San Francisco is one of the, one of the better ones. Again, that's coming up on November the 9th to the 11th. Which is what dates? I'm not sure. 
what date it might look like. I can look real fast here. Um, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So, in San Francisco at the... Oh, it doesn't say where it's being held. I don't know. But once you get there, it's easy enough to find. Okay. New products. We have some. The No Fine Print from No Fine Print Wine Company out of Chicago. Internet, nofineprintwine.com. This is Select Markets. They've launched this line of canned wines titled Little Fizz. A little L-I-L, Little Fizz. A little Fizz is a blend of 77% Lake County Sauvignon Blanc, 16% Sonoma County Chardonnay, and 7% Sonoma Canaris, Sonoma Valley Pinot Noir. It also features little to no fizz and is referred to by the company as Sunshine in the Can. Each 8.4 ounce, ounce can or 250 milliliter features a 12% alcohol by volume content can be found in select retailers for suggested retail price of $20 for a four pack. So $5 a can, $20 for a four pack for a 250 milliliter. Uh, which is, you know, a liter, and so it's $20 for a liter, more than a normal wine bottle. So 20 bucks, good deal, good deal. Next, we have another new product here called Behringer Main and Vine Wine Spritzers. Main and Vine. Phew. Uh, BurningsRemainAndVine.com nationwide distribution. So you should be able to find this everywhere. Berenger's brand of treasury wine, uh, a brand of treasury wine estates, launched a new line of canned wine spritzers. Available in three flavors, bold orange mango, pomegranate, and pink grapefruit. They're gluten-free, contain 95 calories in each 250 milliliter can and features a 5.5% alcohol by volume content, low alcohol. Main and buying wine spritzers are available in 8.4 ounce individual cans for suggested retail price of $2 or in four packs for a SRP of $8. So if you don't want to go 20, you can go something like this. And we've got, where's Oh, here it is, a, another new wine, Deadeye Red Wine. This is Providence Vineyards, a, another brand of Treasury Wine Estates. Introduced Deadeye. It's a blend of red wines. It is predominantly Cabernet Sauvignon and also includes Petit Syrah, Merlot, Petit Rideau, and Melbach. It is... The wine is expressive, opulent, and dominated by ripe, dark fruits. Features 15.5% alcohol by volume, 750 ml bottle, and is available nationwide with a limited release of only 2,396 cases and has a suggested retail price of $50. So, 
if you see any of those out there and want to give them a try, new releases that are now on the market. Something else I just already see. Uh, Fast Track Wines. This is out of one of my trade journals I get here, and it caught my eye because they highlighted the uh, wine here. Uh, the uh, Oh, here it goes. One of the biggest stories in this year's store brands Growth 100 is private label domestic table steel wine a product statement that continues to flourish. Sales of store brand wine totaled more than $10.9 million, an increase of more than 110% from the previous year. And last year's store brands growth 100, store brand wine increased 44% from the previous year. So they, it's just jumping up there. More retailers continue to add store brand selections to their wine lines. Costco Wholesale, Trader Joe's, uh, Little Aldi, and 7-Eleven are setting a high standard for, by offering award-winning quality wines at very reasonable prices. It says, regarding the latter, get this. Last year, the average price per unit of wine was $7.62, down $0.34 cents from the previous year. This year, the average price is $4.80, down $2.82 from last year. Wow. Interesting. Private label wines was not the top growth product sector in beverages. That went to the frozen drink, cocktail drink concentrate. But, oh, my gosh, private label is jumping up. I announced when Aldi got their private label and started to do their thing. Uh, 7-Eleven, I didn't know 7-Eleven had a private label out there now. That's something new to me. I I never go into 7-Eleven. I, I never have reasons to. And actually, you cannot leave my house without passing at least one 7-Eleven before you go anywhere because they're all around. But I'm going to have to check out and see their private label there and see what they have to offer and and get one see what it tastes like. They're, you know, they're saying the award winning quality wines at reasonable prices is uh, interesting possibility. The top 10 beverage categories, frozen drink and cocktail drink concentration one with, thank you, domestic table and still wine too. So, and that comes in ahead of uh, orange juice and fruit drink and cherry vermouth champagne, sparkling juice, all these others. Uh, domestic table or still wine is number two in the category. So it's moving up. I really I didn't know that 7-Eleven. That still surprises me. And U.S. wine scores score best performance ever in international salute to excellence awards, which is quite a, quite a thumbs up. Uh, Strong performance in the private label manufacturers association, 2019 international salute award. The U S wines continue to shed a once lousy image for being poorly made and rarely worth drinking. 
The competition was held in May in Amsterdam, and the U.S. won seven top honors in the category. The best performance ever recorded for wines sold exclusively by U.S. supermarkets and more than doubling the number of 2018 winners. Award winners, Costco Wholesale, Kirkland Signature Bordeaux Superior, the 2016 vintage, $10, best quality. And then Kirkland Signature uh, Solo Prosecco, non-vintage Italy, $10. I don't have a Costco card. I didn't know that they had those. But Kirkland, I'm familiar with the word Kirkland because one of the people I play golf with uses Kirkland golf balls, and he loves them. Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's Organic Growers Reserve Merlot 2017, $5. Oh, my gosh. Best quality. And then also Trader Joe's Platinum Reserve Pinot Noir 2017, another best quality from Russian River Valley, $15. And then Aldi, Ivanta Melbank 2017 from Argentina, best value at $4. And Aldi's also Scarlet Path Zimadol 2017, low dye, best quality at $8. And Outlander Cabernet Sauvignon 2016, Paso Ropos, $9 for best quality. So, oh my gosh, I mean, if you have had these, send me a note. I haven't. Uh, there is all these around here I'm checking out. I don't think we have a Trader's, Trader Joe's around. Uh, I think that's more west of us. I don't think there is any around here. There's a Costco, but I don't have a uh, membership to that. Aldi's, there is one. I'll have to check those out, though. There's a couple of them at Aldi's there that Look interesting. So, there you go. Good prices on those things. That's, that really surprises me on prices on those. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. Now, uh, what else we got here? We also have some oh, wineries got stuff coming up here and things. One month. Did miss last week. I missed trying to get caught up here. Uh, let's see. No, that's not the one. That's not the one. Uh, Whispering Oaks. What's going on at Whispering Oaks Winery? That is the headline. This weekend, they're enjoying their winning state night, award-winning state night. Uh, live music, great food, amazing selection of wines. They do that quite often. Contact them. It's only twenty-eight fifty per person, uh, plus tax and gratuity, and then I'll call you right. Reservations: three five two seven four eight zero four four nine, or you can get a hold of them at their web address, which is winesofflorida.com. They do this all the time. Plus, it's a neat little place there, and they have all sorts of stuff going on continuously. But their steak night is really a good thing. Not only do they have a choice of ribeye or filet mignon, but also wild-caught Alaskan salmon, and plus a whole bunch of of the fixings, if you will. Uh, But good deal. 
That's they're located up north of Tampa here, uh, east of, or west of Gainesville, that area. Castle Ridge Winery, they're in Iowa. Castle Ridge Winery has their Harvest Club. They are released the Blackberry Wine as their Wine of the Week. They have a new Castle Ridge app you can check out. Uh, they uh, have all sorts of information on here, plus all their meals and different things that they do continuously. Pizza nights and pastas and sliders and calzones and bunch of stuff, bunch of stuff there. They are located in Iowa at Lighten, Iowa, which is southeast of Des Moines. If you're familiar with the area, you can contact them at castleridge.com. T-A-S-S-E-L, tasselridge.com. Or if you want to call them about something, you may do that. Their phone number is, I have no idea. I thought it was down here, and it's not. Huh. thought I saw their number here. Well, I guess it was on the other site, and I just thought I saw it here. Oh, well. I have one. Oh. Yeah? Oh, uh, 641-672-9463, Tassel Ridge. All right. Thank you very much. I, it wasn't here. Oh, they close. They're closing at 730. Oh, never mind. Well, that's <laughs> 730 now. It's our time. They're, they're in Iowa, so they're in Central Time. So Yeah. Okay. They still got another hour if you want to call them. So. Yeah. So, oh, good. Thank you. I don't have it here. I don't know why it's not on their website. That's odd. So, Tasha Bridge Winery, they, again, always got stuff going on there. It seems like they're, they're constantly having different events and meals and things going on. Tablas Creek Vineyards, their new blog has came out. Uh, they have uh, had a couple of new wines that they're making uh, since all. And uh, Oh, geez. Borbolink, uh, B-O-U-R-B-O-U-L-E-N-C. They said that's new to Pasaropos. And then a Vacares, which is new to America, V-A-C-C-A-R-E-S-E. So new grapes that they're making wines. And uh, this is one of the... Vasquez is one of the rarest grapes in Chateauneuf de Pop Appalachian at just over 10 acres. That counts for just 0.3% of total acreage and red acreage. A little outside of the area, with just 30 acres recorded in France and none elsewhere in the world. Uh, also known as Brune Argente, which is known as brown silvered for its dark bark and silvery look. And uh, as it generally not permitted on its own, even in France, a, uh, they don't have much anywhere. They said they picked 2.61 tons of it at 22.4 bricks, roughly 13.8% potential alcohol. And 
harvested before, never been harvested before in California or America or the New World. So, a uh, vacares, I believe it's pronounced vacares, is new. And since so, they started that fourth most planted red grape in uh, Chateau du Pop Appalachian after Grenache, Chiron, Malverde. So that's pretty popular. I've, I've heard of that before. And the Borbalink is the fourth most planted white grape, white grape in the Chateau Neuf du Pont. Uh, after Grenache Blanc, Claret, and Rosson. So those are now available at Tablas Creek Vineyard once they once they finish all the everything that needs to be done to them and get some in bottles and all that. And uh, they have pictures of them in a glass before they've been fined and all that. Look pretty nice. So so, so you can always get the Tablas Creek newsletter. Go to info at Tablas Creek, T-A-B-L-A-S, tabliscreek.com, and sign up for their blog, and they'll keep you informed with that stuff. Interesting, interesting website, our interesting blog that, that I get on them all the time. And let's see, do I, I thought I had another, another winery here. Oh, it's not that bad. Maybe it's back here in this one. Uh, let's see. Hmm. Oh, maybe that's it then. I thought I had another winery that had something going on I want to share with you, but I don't see it here, so maybe not. Oh, yes, I do. I knew I had one to talk about. Keith Joshua, my buddy down in Arizona. Harvest Fest is coming up. So the Harvest Fest is coming up this Saturday, day after tomorrow. So you need to get down there to southern Arizona and check this out. It's $75 per person. It will be partnering with Dante's Fire for a very special five-course harvest feast food and wine pairing. Uh, all sorts of goodies on this. A, a five-course meal with wine on each one. They also offer all sorts of stuff that's going on there. Uh, looking at a wedding, you live in that area, looking at a wedding, it's great. They are located on Elgin Road in Elgin, Arizona, which is in southern Arizona, 520-455-5582. Or you can email them kj-vineyards.com. And uh, they can, uh, is that right? Yeah. KJ Dash Vineyard, yeah. Uh, Keith Joshua, and uh, this Saturday from uh, what time is that? Uh, at six o'clock. Their five course harvest feast. So, 
if you're interested, if you're in the area, then uh, get in touch with them. They'll get you a table. They have that out in the vineyard, too. That's where they do that. They don't do it in a building. It's out in the vineyard. And a beautiful setting there. Absolutely beautiful setting. So you something you would enjoy and something that, you know, you can talk about. They also do breakfasts on Sunday mornings there, which is always a neat thing. I had a chance to go to one of those. And it is really a big, big breakfast that they do on that. And uh, I think every Sunday morning, uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. So, all right, uh, I got some other stuff to tell you here. Let me find it. As I'm clicking around on all sorts of stuff. I'm losing where I was on this. Uh, all right, there we are. Herbicide drip, drift is something that the industry is taking a crackdown on because it's starting to affect other things. When you spray herbicide or anything else like that, any type of wind, any type of breeze can blow it. And it. some vineyards in different areas are pretty close. They don't have a big break between them or something like that. And so many vineyards now are trying to go organic or even biodynamic and this herbicide floating in the air can get into other vineyards. And it's been something that has been challenged in France. In fact, just last year, there was a big lawsuit about the fact that herbicide was drifting into an organic vineyard and he sued the other vineyard owner for it and it was ruled in the fact that, you know, he needs to stop doing his spray unless he has a more controlled spray and all sorts of stuff on that. Well, now it's becoming an issue in Napa, uh, in California anyway. Uh, they said that uh, it could threaten organic vineyards or even other types of, of crops around there because so many types of crops around and the organic crops and things like that, which are so popular now can be affected by the, by the wind and the herbicide drift. So uh, if I see anything more on it, then I'll let you know, but right now it's, it's their, their fault right now. They're arguing is what they're doing. Um, Let's see. Constellation brands. It says, here, this is an interesting headline. This is sort of funny to me. It says, the headline says, Constellation, millennials are drinking more because they're having kids. Well, duh. Constellation Brands has seen an uptick in the millennial generation's consumption of alcohol. Excuse me. About three-quarters of millennials in the U.S. are consuming alcohol, it estimates. Generation Z, those between the ages 21 to 24, legally drinking age 21 to 24, although Gen Z is younger than that, are consuming alcohol more slowly than the millennials are. 
and it says they think the exact answer is is that the millennials have kids, and so because of that, the alcohol consumption is up. Millennials consume about 24 alcoholic drinks per month. Uh, by this year, that number has climbed. This was back in 2013 when they did the first survey. Now it's up to 29 per month, which is one a day. And they're saying approximately 77% of all millennials in the U.S. are consuming alcohol. So, uh, you millennials out there, you know, keep it up. You're, you know, keep that wine up. Don't just stay with alcohol. But there's wine, wine. And then the Gen Z, they say, is consuming it more slowly than the, the millennials did at that age. So we're seeing an increase in drinking in the millennials and a taper off in the Gen Z. So well, who knows what's going to go on. Um, people are saying that they're drinking less but drinking better, which going for premium brands and stuff like that, as opposed to just drinking a lot of the cheap stuff. But with Aldi having a $4 award-winning wine, (laughs) you don't have to cut back and drink the expensive stuff. You've got it right there. But uh, kids, kids will make you drink. Oh, I can attest to that. I had my kids made me drink a lot. That's why I turned gray so quickly. Um, <laughs> so, let's see. There's uh, something else here. Chianti drinkers are thinking about adding sugar to the Chianti to appeal to the women's taste more. And people are quite upset about that simply because they say, what do you mean appeal to the women? Isn't that a little bit bias and prejudice? And they said, no. Uh, They said when they participated in wine fairs in Brazil, America, or in Asia, people often told them the Chianti is a great wine, but too hard, with too much tannins. Women want wines that are more fragrant with less tannins. This is normal evolution. The Chianti wine was a favorite of the uh, famous Medici family that ruled Florence for centuries. Uh, But in uh, in 1716, uh, Medici officially nominated the picturesque region of Chianti where 15,000 hectares of vineyard are planted today. So since then, they have uh, warned Brexit could have a serious impact on Italian wine growers in the export market because of different import fees and stuff like that that may be in it. So they're worried about that. But the uh, Chianti is thinking that they need to make it a little bit sweeter. Let's see, what is the word here? It says, Chianti Consortium, which represents 3,000 growers in the vineyards surrounding Florence, insists an increase in residual sugar will soften the taste of Chianti rather than give it a sweeter taste. 
It's usually made from a blend, but predominantly is the red Sangiovese variety. Until now, county producers were required to keep their sugar levels to a maximum limit of four grams per liter. But under the new rules, they will be able to add two more grams per liter uh, to balance the acidity. So, if you're a Chianti fan, and Chianti Classico we're talking here. We're, I don't think we're talking just Chianti, but I think Chianti Classico, the little one little region that is actually Chianti, they're looking at increasing the residual sugars by two grams. We'll see. They said women want it, and they're going to do it. So younger drinkers and women and all that. So younger drinkers out there, the county is looking at taking care of you. And, okay, that's it on this one. I'm going to jump in here real quick and give a quick shout-out to Jen, who uh, I like the uh, wine glass emoji, and says, hi, Ron. So (laughs) there you go. Thank you, Jen. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't know we have listeners out there on Facebook. That's great. It's a good good boost for me. All right, here we go. Here's some more information here. This is Walla Walla Washington is having a problem with phylloxera. And for those of you who are not familiar with phylloxera, phylloxera is a little mite, a little bug that gets into the grapevine and kills it. Nothing can be done. I've done programs on phylloxera. If you're a new listener, then phylloxera is uh, a Well, it's been a problem for centuries, literally. It attacks the roots of the vine and ends up killing the grape. And I, like I said, I've done programs on it, explaining the progression of it and all that. But no grower likes to find the pest in the vineyard because it can and does destroy a vineyard. Most grapevines in the world are planted on American rootstock, which is resistant to phylloxera. But it seems like Walla Walla Valley has been considered less than hospitable terrain for the phylloxera louse because of the sandy soil. And so they haven't done any type of special rooting. The state's vines, 99% of the state's vines are on their own roots, meaning that instead of being planted on phylloxera-resistant American rootstocks, they are planted on their own rootstocks, which is a very dangerous thing because now they're starting to discover some phylloxera in the Walla Walla Valley Appalachian, which is in the southern part of the state. And it's the second highest concentration of vineyards and wineries in the state, so that could be devastating if they can't get under control. And they say apparently it's been hiding in plain sight. Some vineyards in Walla Walla have had symptoms in the climb that nobody really thought was phylloxera because they thought they were safe. And it was a slow decline, which is usually what phylloxera does. Uh, they thought that phylloxera was rapid and boom, they were done, but they're finding that it's just a slow decline 
something like uh, the glycemic sharpshooter and Pierce disease, which is a slow decline, kills it over a couple of years. Well, Colopter is doing the same thing now. So they are worried, concerned, and trying to find offers of opportunity for industry to be aware of best practices and taking care of it. Measures include uh, certified clean stock, wearing rubber booties, restricting traffic to paved areas, not sharing equipment or trucks, loading or unloading trucks outside of the vineyard, and making sure any dirt is wiped off the feet and equipment when it leaves the vineyard. So all this stuff can help maintain it and manage it in one area, but it is still of concern. they uh, have said, Christine Clare, vineyard manager at Willamette Valley Vineyards in Oregon's Willamette Valley, said three of our historic vineyards with phylloxera in them, identified over 20 years ago, are still producing high-quality fruit today. So maybe it won't affect it, but then again, maybe it will. So the last word is they have found it there. And they're trying to do best practice to try to stop the spread of phylloxera, which will kill the grapevines. And, you know, what more can you say if if you're at that, uh, uh, if it's going to do it, then I think I would be more worried than just, oh, my gosh, we got phylloxera. Okay, now, let's see. There's another one here that since we were talking about Fluxra, this is, uh, where is it? Well, that's not it. That's not what I wanted. A lot of articles I'm seeing on cannabis and how it's affecting the wine business, and I don't know if it is or not, but a lot of articles are talking about that. Uh, is this the one I want? Oh. I don't know. Oh. Uh, well, I don't know. It's almost 8 o'clock anyway, so. Uh, oh, here we go. Spotted lanternfly. I mentioned phylloxera. I mentioned Pierce disease. There is another bug out there that has decimated Pennsylvania vineyards and may soon go to other states. Um, I think one of our listeners tonight is from Pennsylvania originally. So this is the spotted lanternfly, L-A-N-T-E-R, lanternfly. It is a little grayish bug that is indigenous to China and countries of Southeast Asia. It was first detected in Pennsylvania in 2014. In fact, I think I reported on it back then and has since grown in numbers to significantly threaten the state's agricultural industry. And I say grapes because this is all about wine, but it's not just grapes that the little bug is going to do. It can ravage a lot of stuff there. 
Brown, gray, spotted top wings and lower wings indistinguishable by their shock of red coloring are very distinguishable by the shock of red coloring. They're noted for its size and penchant to swarm. And particularly on the more than 70 plants and trees it feeds on. 70, that's seven zero, different plants and trees. It consumes the sap of hardwoods, orchard fruit trees, hop plants, and grapevines. It's an ferocious eater, but its excrement, dubbed honeydew, which can develop into sooty mold, can severely damage crops in a short period of time. This is an issue. The glassy wing sharpshooter is an issue, and it's excrement. It's something that they're watching, but this is the spotted lantern uh, fly is a really, really, I, I mean, it's, you know, we'll call it SLF just to make it a little bit easier instead of saying spotted lantern fly every time. And it's not a matter of if this will spread to other states. It's simply a matter of when, says an expert in it. The SLF, which is uh, uh, to date 17 of 67 Pennsylvania counties are in a quarantine. Uh, Sightings have been reported in Delaware, Virginia, New Jersey, and New York. Midwestern states, including Michigan and Indiana, are warning the industry about the threat, and they're looking to Pennsylvania to see how the infestation grows. And some growers have reported losses of grapevines of 90% or more. In one case, 40 acres was lost. A small handful of spotted lanternflies aren't going to do that much damage, but a large population will induce vine death or collapse, so the vine won't produce fruit. Now, if it starts spreading to places like New York, and the Finger Lakes area. And I guess because of the cold weather, it's not really affected by the cold. This is one thing about the glassing sharpshooter. Cold weather, it, it can't survive it. But uh, this is something serious. Beyond the wine industry, it's also small fruit. Pennsylvania is the fourth largest producer of apples in the country. A $100 million business yearly and it affects that also. Um, in New York, they just encountered a few individual sightings of it, the, but they currently have no knowledge of the population. Uh, but they're sure it's only a matter of time before it spreads. The combating of the insect's preferred host is the uh, Alanthus, or Tree of Heaven, it's called. And there are pockets of Tree of Heaven plants around vineyards. And the best thing to do is cut them down, they said. They're not going to help anything. They're not, you know, encourage growers to learn about these plants and control them by cutting down the trees and giving these uh, uh, SLF a chance to not be able to propagate there. Uh, Egg masses should be removed. They're usually found on smooth surfaces on the tree bark. And they look like a gray, tan, crackly spotches of mud. Uh, also, pesticides that have recently been approved for use in fighting it 
they don't want to use the chemicals on those things too much because it could damage the fruit and also, you know, wind drift too is something. A pair of native fungal pathogens drives decline of a new invasive herbivore in the latest study. And they found that the naturally occurring fungi Batcoa major and Brevera bassiana can re- greatly reduce lanternfly populations. But these are exotic and they're still in the early stages of trying to do research into these two different fungi. So it's not yet to the point where they have been able to put it out for large killings. It has been proven that it will kill the adult lanternfly, but it's a matter of propagating it and getting it out there in, in the public. They need more people to be aware of the spotted lanternfly, and if they see anything in any vineyards or any orchids or orchards or any trees or anything, reported immediately so that steps can be taken to try to control it. So another serious bug that's hitting us, exotic species. It's not just the big things like the boa constrictors in the Everglades, but these little bugs like this are just as damaging uh, for plants and stuff, if not more so than the big species we always hear about. So Spotted lanternfly, that would be something else we'll keep an eye on. So we've got phylloxera, we've got uh, the uh, uh, Pierce disease and the glasswing sharpshooter, and now the spotted lanternfly. And they're all all serious, serious threats. So I think we're done for another week. That's amazing. Bugs are just coming out of almost like nowhere and, and now they're they're being talked about. I mean, where have they been oh. this fifty, sixty years or so? Yeah, and that's just it. It just you know, but because of the world and every since the small world it really is, because we're trading back and forth with people and all that stuff. And these bugs are so small and the eggs are so small and stuff like that. They get to areas and start growing before anybody ever realizes it. And yeah. It uh, then, then when it, yeah. then by the time it's really, oh my gosh, look at this! It's too late, you know. Yeah. So, mm. yeah. Well, hopefully they'll uh, get the problem taken care of uh, pretty quick before it does uh, a substantial damage, I guess, to uh, yeah. you know, uh, more and everything involved there before it spreads too much. That's yeah. You know, another yeah. issue too. I mean, you know, it's you know, if you can learn how to control it, you can stop it from spreading. But you know, I mean, New York yeah. has an enormous grape growing industry and mm-hmm. uh, apple industry. I mean, there's lots of off off of Lake Erie there. I mean, there's big big apple orchards. And what's what did you say? Tennyson. Oh, Seneca. Yeah, Seneca Valley is a big apple orchard area. And if they're starting to move into New York, like in that area there, it could 
do some major, major damage to that area. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. a, something that uh, I think most people aren't aware of and something we need to be constantly on the outlook for any invasive species, but stuff like that is really starts hitting us in areas that we're familiar with. So, yeah, um, well, uh, and for your information, since you're on that side of the uh, Florida pan, whatever it's called, Panhandle Peninsula, there you go. Uh, there is a Trader Joe's in Tampa. There is a Trader Joe's oh, in Tampa. Sure? Yeah, Swan Avenue um, oh, in Tampa. Yeah, so uh, just in case you're ever in that area, that's just like a, well, if you go by horseback, that's about what, two days maybe? By two days, yeah. yeah. Go by buggy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you take I the didn't trail. realize there was one. Yeah. 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 I, I heard I didn't think we had it. Yeah, I thought they were closer like to um, uh, like the airport area, but I, I guess this is this is it. But uh, that's the only one that it shows in uh let me see if there's anything oh that's right. Oh. Well there's more than I thought there was. This is accurate. Saint Petersburg. Let's see Saint Petersburg. Yeah, there's Okay, there's one in, in uh, 4th Street North in St. Petersburg. There are over, uh, quite a few bit in in um, Florida. I didn't realize they were all over like that. Uh, I, I didn't think we had any here. I thought it was all West west Coast. Mm, seven, yeah, there's... Huh, I didn't realize. Yeah, they're all over. Gainesville, Orlando, Palm Beach, Wellington. Yeah. Hmm. That would make a good pick up some the, of these the 7-Eleven uh, thing you said sounds interesting so that would be I think I lost you where are you uh, are you still on there I don't hear you let me see if he's still on a, I think we lost I think we might have lost Ron. I don't see him on on the show anymore. I mean, he's on the show, but he's not on the air. I don't hear him. Hello, Ron. Anybody out there? Ron. I see you on there, but I don't hear your audio, if you can hear me. Give you another chance here, and then we'll go ahead and close the show if uh, he doesn't come back. Uh, don't hear you if you're talking. All of a sudden, something clicked, and your audio was done. <laughs> I don't know. Let's see if uh, we'll go ahead and close the show. I don't. I don't hear anything from Ron right now. I'll close this out and then try and catch up to him in a minute. Um, it is our. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine.
man, that was the mono version. Okay, I'm going to end the uh, Facebook stream real quick, and then uh, we'll be out. Thanks for tuning in.